If you like milkshakes, drug raids, or steamy shower sex, then this episode of Riverdale is for you. I do like milkshakes, especially when there's alcohol in them. I do like steamy shower sex. (laughs) Especially when there's alcohol. I'm Lisa and I'm Dawn and this is I Hate It Let's Watch It where we watch shows we love and rip them apart. This week you gave us a little treat to start. Yes we're celebrating with a signature cocktail sort of. We're celebrating Pop's retirement. We are and thankfully you made us some very delicious adult milkshakes. Yep. (laughs) They are fantastic. Granted I've only tried one of three. Yes there are three flavors. Dawn's got vanilla. Mm-hmm. I've got strawberry. There's chocolate in the freezer. Which we'll get to. Honestly, they're all deadly, so you really can't go wrong. I can't get enough, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's be real. We're having a good time. We are. That's the whole point. So um, there's a, there was a lot that happened this episode. There was. And to get us started, here's our 60-second summary. This week, we find out more about Hiram's plans for Riverdale. Basically, he wants to unincorporate the town, which will cut off government funding for public services, such as Riverdale High School. Tony isn't about to let that happen and suggests privatizing the school system, which is made possible by a very generous donation from Cheryl. Going private also means no minimum standard for teaching qualifications, which is convenient since Betty, Archie, Jughead, and Veronica all agree to put their lives on hold to become teachers indefinitely. Jughead continues to struggle with writer's block, and when his debt collectors come looking for him, he convinces Tabitha Tate to give him a job at Pop's Diner. He also writes a moving tribute to Pop for his retirement party, which he then submits to his agent as proof that he can still write. His agent loves it and asks him to make Dying Small Town America the focus of his next book, which shouldn't be too difficult in Riverdale. Meanwhile, Veronica is increasingly unhappy with married life. After Chad freezes their bank accounts and has her followed, she starts investigating escape routes and even asks Hiram to intervene. Betty helps Archie successfully reclaim his old house from the ghoulies, which eventually leads to some very steamy celebratory shower sex. On the home front, Betty has concerns about Polly, who seems to have fallen in with the ghoulies and overall does not seem to have a healthy lifestyle. In fact, the episode ends on a shot of Polly running away from the same creepy truck from last week, and that can't be good for anyone. Okay, so I couldn't help myself, and I feel like the first thing we need to cover is that lovely and seductive sex scene with Barchi, which I hate fucking Oh, I was just going to say, I honestly really hate that. Yeah, it's not good, but when you read a ton of stuff and they just combine the names constantly, it just sticks with you. To me, I think my brain autocorrects it to Barfy and like... (laughs) I don't know. Well, that was not barfy at all. No. Although I have to say, so I will be the first person to stand up and say that I hate the idea of Betty and Archie as a couple. I've never been on board with that ship. And I will say that I was very okay with a fuck buddy type arrangement between the two of them. I felt that the way it just happened it seemed natural it Mm -hmm. was very like now's our time it was situational yes it was situational and it just i don't know it flowed yes yeah well actually what was funny i was watching that scene and they were like oh you take a shower first no you take a shower first no you take a shower first and i was like oh my god just shower together and then they cut to the next scene where they're literally showering together i was like oh Okay, well, that happened. That That's was the thing. Conserving water. Um, Responsible. But, yes. And, you know, even to start, just the way they were looking at each other, you could tell it was years of a pent up just sexual frustration between the two of them because the last they left off really was 
couple of makeout sessions here and there. Yeah. That were unsatisfying because they were secretive and they were seeing other people, whereas now they're both single people, technically. Yeah, kind let's. Of. I have a note to myself there. Like, what what does this mean for Glenn? Because poor Glenn, <laughs> Betty identified herself as single pretty quickly. So Very that, quickly. That doesn't bode well for poor Glenn up there in Quantico, thinking yeah. that he's got something good with Betty. But no, it was very. I don't know. It just seemed normal. It seemed. I think it was probably the most normal thing this show has ever portrayed was this type of friends with benefits relationship that just was nonchalant. And we're just gonna take it as it goes. And I was very pleased with it. I think what I like about it is that it did surprise me. I kind of yes. wasn't expecting it to go there. I was thinking there would be rekindling between Betty and Jughead and Veronica and Archie and none of it would be terribly exciting or scintillating. And to throw this kind of in the ring so quickly and so abruptly, I was very on board with it. So I'm okay with this continuing as long as it doesn't become a thing. Right. It's going to ruin it. It will ruin it. And I feel also their reconnection of sorts, whether it be friendship, sexual, whatever it is, seemed the most genuine as opposed to everybody else because you know the episode kind of starts off where they're all at pops and they're just talking and then they kind of branch off to their significant old significant others right they have the talk they have the talk (laughs) and the where are you at talk yeah and the betty and jughead seem very uncomfortable I am dying to know what that voicemail was. Right? Because it was like, oh, and it was right before your book launch, and they never heard from each other. And it was very just sinister in a way where I'm like, what did he have to say? What did he say? I have to know this. And I really hope at some point that we do, and this is not just a random thing that they're throwing at us and then never mention again. I would really love to know what was said in that voicemail. It would explain, yeah, it would also explain Jughead just his overall awkwardness when they're all together right he really doesn't seem like he wants to be there no he seems miserable absolutely miserable what i didn't like though when veronica and archie were doing their little catch-up it's never good when you tell an ex how unhappy you are in your current relationship that is literally just a code for like we should possibly hook up again and that's definitely her i think that's her end game well that's why oh god i can't sorry but that. i mean that's her word so let's that's where i it. thought it was going and that's why i was so surprised that betty was the one who ended up getting her end in but the the that was the vibe i was getting from veronica like oh i'm just like super unhappy and once you're married the fun's over and this just really sucks to be married and I yeah like, she what? shined a horrible what are there you was doing a light on that <laughs> and again it's her just bashing the shit out of chad which is just i'm still not understanding oh can we please talk about this because i uh i i i honestly i don't even know where to begin because i have so many feelings about this i think i need to start by saying i knew that they were gonna do this to chad i knew that the show was going to try to make him into a controlling, manipulative presence in Veronica's life because I figured that they would have to push her back towards Riverdale and Archie and all of that stuff. They're just, they're not doing a very good job of of explaining why. Yeah, we don't have a backstory there, really. We were just 
thrown into their constant fighting because he's controlling, but he's really not because he's just worried about her. And We haven't seen... So, I mean, I agree with Veronica. I don't like that he froze her bank accounts. I don't like that, yeah, that was he much. had her followed. But this is the first time we're hearing of anything this serious in terms of his controlling behavior. Well, we, we got a glimpse of her shadiness and he doesn't trust her. Sure. So, yeah. So it goes with that. I I don't want to excuse it because I really don't think having her followed was appropriate because he obviously wanted her to know that she was being followed and the bank account. All of that is really sketchy and I don't want to say that that's justified at all. But it's also just a huge escalation from what we've what we've seen of him, which is really just that he didn't want her to work on Wall Street anymore. And that's the only other controlling behavior that he's demonstrated. Well, he's worried because of that accident that we... The accident. The accident. The accident. But it just, it feels like it comes out of left field because even though we've heard that he wants her to quit her job and he wants her to turn into a baby maker and he's resentful of her success, she's never implied that he's followed her before or that he's tried to cut her off from her family or refuse to give her access to her bank accounts, which is classic controlling behavior in a relationship like that. We, we've we never seen any anything else like that, but she also doesn't behave as though this is crazy. She's almost annoyed. She's like, ugh, Chad sent his goons to follow me. This is such an inconvenience to my life. Right, like, he, this is, like, it's an on, like, why, uh, yeah, exactly, like, wouldn't, like, the first time your husband did this to you, if it was the first time, wouldn't you be like, dude, what the fuck? Why would you do this? And instead, she's like, oh, well, obviously he did this. So has he done it before? And we just don't know about it, but she's never said anything. This is not a pattern of behavior, I guess is my point. This is not a pattern that Chad has established for us so that we can see that he's a bad person. It's just something that happens out of nowhere. And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and I feel like with them all being back in Riverdale, semi-permanently, um... (laughs) Are we ever going to get a decent backstory? You introduce us to all these new characters and scenarios and lives. And now we're back to square one in a way. And we're yeah. are we going to get those interactions again? Right. Really? Are we going to figure out what Betty's relationship to Glenn is? And now... We got a glimpse. Not even a glimpse. Like a two second introduction. Yeah. And we don't we don't know where it's going to go. I we can't leave Veronica yet because I have so many more questions about oh there's more how I she agree. how she reacted to all of this. She immediately starts looking at a job on the West Coast as a sports agent. Where did that come from? I don't know. Who is this person that she's but, like skyping with or but, zooming what? with? What is this? Her reaction to Chad cutting off her like she's just gonna run. She's just gonna get a job across the country and like leave him. And start a new life and just never talk to him again? What is the plan here? Still intrigued by the job choice. Yeah. Where she has again, a lot of experience came out doing of, sporting and stuff. Right? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> no idea. You were working she, stocks and doing some uncut gem style work in a jewelry right. store. So she tries to buy a car from Reggie, presumably to drive cross country to California for this job. But he won't sell her one. And it's just funny she... how he's always connected to cars, just saying. <laughs> well, his father owned the dealership, didn't he? Wasn't his father a car dealer? That, and just, you know, his car got trashed by Mr. Honey last yeah. season and all that. He's just very into cars. So, but then she goes to Hiram to ask for his help. 
which oh my god i have so many thoughts about that scene in particular i don't understand why she needs his help she never did before she never did before but chad reminds her of hiram why would she go to the person who engages in this sort of abusive behavior to fix the abusive behavior in her husband maybe because they would cancel each other out <laughs> they just they get in the same room and they both explode because like they that can't type of me- like but that's exist. you know you say like you know I really, I hated that whole scene. I had zero. I also felt like we were in an ongoing cyclical pattern where it's like. Obviously. You're, you're my enemy. You're my enemy. No, Mm -hmm. you're my enemy. You're, okay. You hate each other. Don't even interact. Yeah. I don't understand why she even sought him out and why she needed his help. I don't understand any of it. Uh, One thing we did find out that was kind of interesting was that Hiram didn't know she was getting married. So we don't know what kind of, what level of contact they've been in since she's left Riverdale. Well, he seems to be alone alone because Formosa moved to Miami with the rum business. R.I.P. rum business. Yeah. (laughs) That's Um, kind of okay. And clearly, you know, Hermione is out of the picture. So he was alone alone. So they must have really all... He's got Reggie. Oh, (laughs) But I, I think Veronica is a loose cannon in this episode. I, all, I, I don't understand any of her decisions because, you know, not only does she go to Hiram for help at some point, but she goes to that pawn shop and she sells a Fabergé egg, which, or I'm sorry, a Glamourgé egg. I'm sorry. Oh my God, I'm going to get sued. And is that like one of Hermione's old Glamourgé eggs or is this another one that Chad gave to her? Because I, I thought he only say, gave her the one. The, right, yeah. She sold that one And too. she sold that one. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know where she keeps coming up with these Glamourgé eggs, but she sells another one to get cash money so that she can buy her car and go to California and start her new Didn't life. Did go for 30 grand? You know, I looked this up recently. Fabergé, first of all, Fabergé eggs are not Glamourgé eggs because Fabergé eggs, there's a finite amount of them. They're not still manufacturing them, and that's why they're so valuable. Right. But in the show, they seem to imply, as Chad did, that they come out with a new edition like every year or something so you can start a collection so they're slightly different but like yadros or lennox right so they are valuable at 30 that i don't know because we're not talking equivalency here regardless she uses part of her earnings to purchase a a ladylike revolver because it's riverdale and all because riverdale you know and then she shoots out the tires of the car that's following her. I just feel like that's a bit of an overreaction. It's an overreaction, but it's something that Hiram would have done. Like, I mean, like... Yeah, but then she goes to her after well, that. Like, like she's already done this. So, like, why not continue your reign of terror and just go to Chadwick with the gun yourself and be like, you know what, I'll just shoot you in the head if you keep following me around freezing my bank accounts. Yeah, I'm not getting any of that it's it's so confusing and here's the here's what i eventually just like came to the conclusion of i think that they wanted veronica to be the battered woman in this relationship but they didn't want to portray her as being weak so it doesn't quite work 
because it's so hard to believe that this ver- version of Veronica, who seems to be in charge and confident and independent, would ever tolerate the kind of behavior that Chad is displaying. Somebody, somebody who's that you know sure of themselves has the resources and the abilities to get out of a relationship like that. You know, it's hard to imagine that she would stay there if she were truly feeling like it wasn't working. Yeah, she's not dependent on him in any way. He's not, you know, she's not at his yeah, mercy. Yeah, I don't see the whole. I don't see the hold that she's making it seem that he has on her. Right at this point, it's like, why don't you just walk away if you hate the way that he's treating you? Right. And there, and she seemed to have no problem like running off to Riverdale. So at that point, why not just serve him with divorce papers? Why, why go through the why are we stringing this along process of going to Hiram and being like, go shake down my husband? There, there doesn't seem to be any power imbalance in the relationship, and if there is, it's in Veronica's favor. So they're trying to make her seem like a victim, but she has all of the power. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So that's not working for me in a big way and I'm kind of annoyed she did say she's like I want to get back into the family business and it's just like <sighs> again do like, you think that was really true though or just a way to like chorus I don't him? I don't know but she seems to be itching to get back into that sort of right um, and Hiram even said like listen I got rid of this I got rid of this I got rid of it like there's nothing left for you to do here Right. She's looking for excitement. She actually misses the the thrill of being involved in shady businesses is yeah. my theory on it. And she wants to get back in that because her life is unsatisfying in some way, shape, or form. But it's very repetitive. It's what we've seen from Veronica before. I just don't know where they're going with it. And I'm I'm annoyed. I, I will be honest. I am annoyed about yeah. it. I was least excited about that. Well, actually, no. The plot that I was least excited about was Saving Riverdale High School. <laughs> I was so bored every time anything about that came on. I don't blame you, but I have a feeling that's the entire season's plot point. Well, I mean, it does give them the reason that they're going to stay in Riverdale now because they've all decided to be teachers at the private school. Oh, Don, don't get me started. Do not get me started on this particular issue because my biggest qualm with everything that they did when they were in high school was that none of them were qualified, none of them had any training, they were all children, and they were doing things that they were unqualified for. And now that it's seven years later, they've all been to school, they've gone to training of some kind, and now they're pursuing careers based on those training, you know, training experiences. Now they've decided they're just going to quit those experiences and do something they've literally never done before. And teaching is not easy. They're all going to be a teacher at a school that they barely attended themselves. Right. That's that's the big takeaway for me, at least. Uh, um, those poor kids. They're not going to get a good education. Yeah, there's not many of them either, which is kind of sad. True. Yeah. And with that, you know, going back to Hiram, he pays he, Tony a visit and basically says, listen, how many kids do you have at the school? I'm going to give them all scholarships to Stonewall Prep. She's sure. like, fuck you. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. isn't going to happen because... It's under you, so... It's going to be corrupt no matter what. (laughs) You're offering me a job that's great. I don't want anything to do with this. Mm -hmm. And she she then brings it back to the, what, handful of teachers? Yeah, the the random assortment of people. But Alice is there for some reason. She's a member of the school board. Yeah, Mr. Weatherby. Um, You know, Kevin's teaching five different (laughs) subjects. Also... I don't think we had any of those subjects in my high school. He listed a bunch and like one of them was sex ed and like 
We did not have, we had health class. Health, health, and that covered it. I'm assuming that that's what he's talking about. But yeah. He, like, he had some other categories, too, that I was like, we did not have a class in no, this. No, we did not. Or if we did, it was an elective, and it was not required for your GED. And it gets into, like, inevitably, Hiram's, like, cutting all funding to everything. So there's not much for them to do. I also thought it was kind of funny that he tried to sabotage Tony by having an article run about how she runs the white worm and is like involved with the serpents as though Riverdale isn't a small enough town that people just wouldn't know that right I'm pretty sure half of them show up there to have a fucking drink exactly um (laughs) this is old news but they were all like oh my god this is a scandal it's like everybody fucking knows this but I one of the things I loved and I think and I hope you appreciate it and caught on to was (laughs) like my ears my ears just like I think I know where you're going already when Kevin, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're all meeting to discuss all of this, and he goes, "I love that it's like we're in an episode of Succession right now." <laughs> yes, but I have a question for you. You and I both watch Succession. Yes, we're both big fans. Big fans. Did this feel like an episode of Succession no, to I, you I had at no all? Idea. I had no idea where he was going with that. Why? Why was that reference even made? Because I also my ears perked up and I was like, "Oh my god, Succession! I love that show." But wait, why is this why are we even referencing being it? Reference yes. this? There was no school board meetings in Succession. No, maybe just a board meeting the in general. The stakes were a lot fucking higher in Succession. Oh yeah. Billions of dollars at stake. (laughs) We're talking about Riverdale High School. You're going to compare it to Succession? And he does it twice. He says it again. Oh, the second part was the best when he gets very specific at the the school board meeting. And he says... um, Better than Kendall's speech at the end of season At the end. Very specific. Which I was... I'm surprised they got rights to any. I have to feel like somebody, the right one of the writers, maybe is a huge fan of Succession because honestly, I could not draw any parallels really that not like made sense. So for them to stick that in there, I felt like it was just somebody being like, "Man, I love Succession. I just kind of want to do a shout out to them in the in the show here. That would be really cool." But I knew you were going to say something about that because oh, I was so excited, even though I had no idea why. Yeah, <laughs> um, just the mention was was exciting. And then you know they're at the board meeting and during Tony's speech she mentions everybody Mm -hmm. and one of the things I found funny was Veronica's full name now is Veronica Gecko and which is a nod to Wall Street yes of course so we come to the conclusion of that meeting and Hiram takes a vote which I didn't think was fair it looked pretty even to me yeah nobody actually counted it was close enough that they probably should have counted they should have counted but it looks like Hiram wins and the township is dissolved. Yes. So they are screwed. Unincorporated. Although maybe we just let this happen because has anything good ever happened in Riverdale? Like maybe we just let this town die. <laughs> right. Like what are we fighting for? Exactly. I'm just, I'm personally annoyed that Betty thought that it was, well, I mean, she had other like family issues that she cited as to why she was going to stay in Riverdale, but I can't believe she just walked away from FBI training and was like, yeah, it'll still be there later. Monica can wait. Like, what? Are you kidding? This is your life. But I mean, she was a little frustrated that she was kind of set aside. What? Okay. Hold on. I'm confused in general about the level of contact between these people and who they left behind in Riverdale. Are we to believe that Betty 
was just never went back to Riverdale at some point. In seven years? In seven years. So they had no contact. I get what you're saying. Did they have, like, no contact with these people? Yeah, it's unclear when Polly moved back in with Alice with the twins because she was in an institution for a little while there. So we don't exactly know when she came back from that. But presumably a few years. It can't have been that recent. Right. And if she was in any sort of regular contact with her family, she would kind of know about it. She seems totally surprised so i just i don't understand what we're meant to believe and and we keep finding out random things like that jughead left betty that voicemail and stuff but like we we don't really know it it almost feels like because to us those seven years did not exist it almost feels like those seven years did not exist to these people either Uh, yeah So it's just a little confusing to try and keep up with that. No, I agree with you. The second most boring plot line of this episode is Jughead. Oh, very much. Agree or disagree? Very much so. He's still struggling with his writer's block and like we just who took fucking a continuation cares? from last week into this week. I mean it just doubled a yeah, little bit. He like, had writer's block in New York City, now he has writer's block, block in Riverdale here. and we just He don't was care. getting chased down by loan sharks in New York. <laughs> now he's getting chased by loan sharks here. Like it just nothing nothing progressed. Yeah, it just stayed the same. In any significant way. He does get a job at Pops. Let me tell you though, I'm loving Pops' granddaughter. Was it Tabitha Tate? Okay. Um Prediction, Jughead and Tabitha are going to bone. (laughs) Probably. I wrote that in my notes. (laughs) I did too. Okay, well, now I don't feel feel so clever if, like, everybody else spotted this too. But, yeah, so that's going to be a thing, Um, which I only don't like because Tabitha seems so much better than Jughead, so I feel like... I love her. I think she's quick-witted. I think she's... She very called smart. that guy pumpkin, and I almost died. Oh, that was great. Uh, she she doesn't care. She's very she's business minded. She didn't see Jughead as a good investment at first, which is fair. Very fair. <laughs> but yeah, so his debt collectors do come after him at the diner, and he he's nine thousand dollars in debt, which I can't decide if that's like a lot or not. It's definitely not. Yeah, in comparison to oh maybe me. <laughs> right, uh, like, like I'm trying to think. Like, people have like student debts and loans and things, and like nine thousand dollars doesn't really seem like too much to shake him. At least too much to go to Riverdale to like hunt him down. Right, for. and I, I wasn't really sure how this would work when he tells her, "Oh, can you let them know I'm working here?" So that even they though know you just lied back. for me and right. said that I wasn't here, and now you're gonna call them and tell them. Actually, he did. He does work here. <laughs> so you know, like if you tell them that anything you get paid is going straight to them anyway like i don't get how that's gonna help you but okay but he ends up working at pops because tony would not give him a job at the white worm they're mad at him they are pissed i mean it's his writing style isn't very how should i say this subtle Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Way too. <laughs> Let's just change a couple of letters of names. And I mean, I, I, I've never forgotten when he when he wrote that story for Stonewall Prep and he changed everybody's names in, like, the least or, like, the most obvious way possible. Right. Um, you know, the brown hood and, and such. But yeah. yeah, they're not happy about their portrayal in his book. Yeah, I'm actually kind of interested about that, though, because if we're if the show is meant to be from Jughead's perspective, he'd praise them. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought those serpents got a pretty good representation right. in the show. 
So I don't know exactly what he did to them in the book, but uh, obviously they're not happy about it. No. So there's that. But not at all. I, I mean, I assume he's going to try and redeem himself in some way, but it's going to be difficult because he basically promised his literary agent to write a book about Riverdale again. <laughs> so he's going to have to start working out some new fake names so that I nobody can't. knows. Like, he needs to get out of the subject matter. He needs to find something new. I know. Well, I knew. I mean, as soon as he went back to Riverdale, I'm like, well, there, he's going to break his writer's block here because there's tons of shit to write about in Riverdale. And it's a good thing that a murder mystery is starting up right about now because he's got something to investigate and feed his uh, his creative genius. I'm glad that we got to hear from Sam again, though. Sam, the literary agent. I yes. will maintain that he is still the best part of the show so far. I'm glad we're getting a continuation of him. I know. I thought we would never see him again. I'm like pretty thrilled that we got to see him. We also have to talk about the FBI raid. Oh my God. Of the ghoulies. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. FBI would only get involved if there was drug trafficking across state lines, right? Otherwise, it's state police and and shit. So there's that. I'm just going to leave that there. I mean, there's nothing to be gained from nitpicking the like technicalities right. of these situations. I think it was more of a scare tactic and they're kind of able to use that against I mean, how smart are the ghoulies, right? Yeah, well, I mean, at least they got the dream team together to to do this. It was Archie, <laughs> Quite a team. Sheriff Keller, Kevin, Fangs, Sweepy, uh-huh, and Betty, obviously. And Betty. So, uh that and I <laughs> I had to make a note as to the song used. Because... Oh my god, yes. Okay, so because <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, they're about to bash in a door, and then all of a sudden I hear, "Hold on, I'm coming" by Sam and Dave. Yeah, such an upbeat song. Yeah, when they're about to literally bust some heads. It reminded me a little bit of Umbrella Academy. Um, oh, I, I mean, did not see that. Uh, they were always really on point with their songs and their action scenes. Um, it kind of reminded me of that. Slightly less successful. I feel like Umbrella Academy really nailed it on their soundtrack. But it was a misplaced song, I felt. <laughs> it was. It surprised me because they've just they've never really been about that sort of juxtaposition of a cheerful, upbeat song with like something serious happening. So it was just sort. Of, it felt out of place for Riverdale. Yeah, but it did make me laugh. So. But we do know that Archie saw Polly in the ghoulie house before they raided it. Yeah, not a good look. Which I guess we're supposed to be believing at this point that Polly's into drugs or some other shady dealings. Right, because she's not working at the club. Yes, the roving eye, which I just want to do a quick shout out, which I would not have done if I had not been doing a season one rewatch. The roving eye has existed in Riverdale since season one remind me that is the place it's like a dance club that veronica goes clubbing at when she's trying to get back at her mom for being sketchy with fred andrews and she's like i'm just gonna rebel and go partying with my best friend and my best gay and like a piece of eye candy so she goes with (laughs) she goes with josie reggie and kevin and they go dancing at the roving eye so, oh, so it was a callback. That's plus nice. one for continuity, Riverdale. You rarely get that kind of achievement. Yes. 
But yeah, so she P- Betty discovers that she hasn't been working there, even though she says that's where she's working. But she also says that she's been contributing towards the mortgage and like other expenses, so she's getting money somehow. We so don't she's know selling how. That jingle jangle. That's what that's what Betty is assuming, and that's what we're being led to believe. Polly denies it. I don't. I don't know. I'm just jury's kind of out for me on that. I I don't know. I feel like there could be more to that. Yeah. I mean, probably we got a very you know short end of the stick on that situation. We don't have a lot of information. I mean, same with everything else. We just don't have a lot of information on it. We don't really know what Polly's been up to, and we're only no. getting it through Betty. So we, we got a we got a cute little glimpse of Juniper. And a Dad cute little going, glimpse. Look at their little ginger heads. Oh my god! I mean, they I know so that cute. they're Jason's kids, and that the redhead gene is dominant. No, it's recessive. It's recessive. Red hair is recessive. That's why I'm so rare and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> because they both have legit the reddest hair i've ever seen i know I mean, it well, popped like my eyes hurt but, but it was nice to see very them. vibrantly red <laughs> yes it was nice to see them like alive and well and not yes. like you know dangling above fires although oh my god i cannot believe that betty went wandering around the house in the middle of the night with a loaded gun in a house where children <laughs> live there are kids in this house betty you can't just walk around pointing well, like a gun she said, like she said you know old habits yeah, I, fine, but also <laughs> children in the home. I, I honestly thought when that scene was happening that she was going to come upon one of the children and be pointing a gun at their head. It ended up being Polly, but I thought that that's how that was going to end. Yeah. But we do see at the end of the episode that Polly is in a lot of trouble. She's being chased down by that truck Trucker. with the creepy skeleton on the front, so we know it's the same person. We don't know what happens to her. It get, this whole thing gives nods to a couple of things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we had mentioned this before. It reminds us of the show Big Sky. Mm-hmm. But also, have you ever seen the movie Joy- Joyride? No. With Paul Walker. R.I.P. R.I.P. I was obsessed with that movie. And it was based on people who teased a trucker. And then the trucker came after them. Like the mm. whole movie. It was. I thought it was a really good movie. But given the past two episodes, how they end with a blonde girl getting mm-hmm. chased by a truck. Mm-hmm. It gave off those vibes for me. And I was kind of like, huh, I wonder if there'll be any like... Yes. Well, scenarios. I still have in the back of my mind that the this trucker and the TBK are connected and that may or may not prove to be true, but we don't know. Uh, because Polly's involved now, I'm less inclined to think that she's going to be killed. You know, like right. I, I feel like th- the show could go there, we but may I get think more of an inside. I think look. it's going to be more about recovering Polly alive than finding Polly dead. And this is exactly how you could draw the connection now between Betty being in Riverdale and Betty investigating the TBK. Right. Because obviously they're overlapping now in a way that's personal to her. Right, it's a reason to keep her there. Yeah. So I think that's probably still the most viable explanation for what's going on, but we still need a lot more information. Here's a random thing that doesn't really fit anywhere. I was wondering if this was significant. When Betty and Kevin are cleaning out the FBI field Uh office, they find cassette tapes that Charles kept of recorded conversations from when he was tapping the Coopers' phone lines. Weird. And, like, to what end? Like, why did he keep these recordings? What was he using them for? We never actually really got an explanation of that other 
then perhaps it was just surveillance because he claims that he was trying to protect Betty from certain things. So like maybe he was just like keeping tabs on her. But the specific conversation that he plays is the one where it was like the Halloween episode where like Jughead gets buried alive and Betty's home with with Jellybean and she gets calls to the house that claim to be from the Black Hood. Right. And Charles comes over and says, I'll help you trace them. And then he says, oh, they're coming from the institution where Polly is. Like, Polly must be making the calls. But then she calls Polly and Polly says, I'm not making the calls. We never really know who made those calls. No. Are we supposed to assume that it was Chick, that Charles was involved somehow? Or is this a loose end that Charles was, like, kind of looking into and was never able to tie up? I feel like mentioning Chick now, it's just all, you know, he was involved. I think it was just their teaming of... I think you're probably right, but I feel a little tinfoily about it. Just because they didn't have to include this. They didn't have to shout out to Charles. But I think it was a way for Betty to try to apologize to Polly Polly and then lead us into why Betty's gonna have to stay okay well I'm gonna add it to my murder board but I I see the logic in what you're saying it didn't sit well with me I felt like it was being brought to our attention right and and I don't like to ignore those hints I understand but I think given Riverdale we can't get too technical my other thing is I I really would like Jughead to shave his pathetic attempt at facial hair is it bad that i didn't notice it <laughs> he's got like the beginnings of a mustache I didn't notice and, like I, I just pay attention to his very nice hair okay well i that's think, probably why I'll i feel like they're head. trying to make him look slovenly and you know like poor and <laughs> like he can't afford to shave or something right. but it's just not really working for him so i think they should just get rid of it <laughs> And then also in the realm of hair trimmings and maintenance, Reggie sort of had a mullet look going on at some point. A little, but I'm loving it. I I think he could cut his hair a little bit. Like, if he trimmed it up And I'm loving... Fangs. Fangs. I'm oh, loving Fangs. I almost hair. didn't recognize Fangs in the last episode. Like, I do not blame Kevin. I oh mistook boy. him for Harry Styles. <laughs> what? It, well, in the last episode when they were doing their musical number and that was like the first time we were seeing them again, I was like, why is why is Tony singing with Harry Styles in this weird serpent band? <laughs> this weird serpent band. <laughs> no, I think oh, he looks so good. My last point that I have is we finally have somewhat of a geographic confirmation of Riverdale because Veronica said that she is within commuting distance of New York City. Yep. So that really does narrow it down. Which she says people take like public transportation to the city all the time. Yeah. So it has to be. It really narrows it down. Well, it could be New Jersey or Connecticut. Right. The tri-state area. I actually think there is a Riverdale in upstate. I, it's not upstate. It's it's in like the um, Brooklyn area. Is it? I think. Mm, Google it and do it. Oh, you're right. Bronx. Oh, the Bronx. Ah, oh, that's what I wanted to say at first. And then I said Brooklyn because I'm stupid. Mind you, the first question is, is Riverdale, New York safe? <laughs> <laughs> well, not the one. Not, not this That Riverdale. is portrayed here. You'll need a discreet, tasteful, ladylike revolver to live in Riverdale. 
And a horrible blonde wig. Ugh. Yeah, could that just go away permanently, ever? The um, fact that she kept that after all these years. I wonder if Betty still has her wig. Oh, dark Betty. Dark Betty. <laughs> Let's just never see her again. That would be okay. <laughs> I have to say, when when she had that nightmare with the um, the TVK, terrifying. I I I didn't like that at all. I actually thought of you because I remember <laughs> us talking about Nancy Drew and how you're like, yes! I can't watch it because it's terrifying. And then that happened, and I'm like, all right, I kind of get it because it kind of had the same type of vibe. Yeah, but he was terrifying. He oh gave my god, like the Jeepers Creepers dude vibe. Yes, because he's got like no face. We don't know if he has a face or not. Right, and, and it's just. And he was there all of a sudden. And, like, that's one of my nightmares, too, is waking up and there just being somebody in my room. Like, that that's just, like, a horrifying, blood-curdling yes. kind of feeling. So, um, yeah, that's one of my nightmares. And I was not happy to see that. No, it wasn't good. It was a good jump <laughs> like scare. Like, two hours before that. bedtime. <laughs> Thank you for that, Riverdale. So if you'd like to send us your theories, give us any feedback, ask any questions, you can reach us at I hate it, let's watch it at gmail.com. And until then, that's endgame.